welcome to Ghostly. Are exorcisms real? As always, we're your host. I'm Pat. And I'm Rebecca. Today's a very special episode, right? Yes. I mean, we finally get to the debating of exorcisms. We've It's taken us a while. It we've has did, taken we've, us we've a while. We've done a lot. <laughs> and I have to admit that I'm a little nervous about this episode. Uh, I'm not entirely sure where I'm going to land at the end. I do have some thoughts to talk about in the debate section that I wrote down. But other than that, I'm struggling with my skepticism on this one. How about you, Rebecca? Yeah, I am also struggling. I With with my skepticism? With your skepticism, it is unnerving. <laughs> okay. I'm not used to what? that. No. <laughs> or with your with your unsureness of your skepticism, hmm. but I will say it's I keep going back and forth as well. There's, you know, it's like you'll read one one thing that makes you think one thing and then another thing that makes you think another thing and yeah there's there's a lot to wade through there on this is one. definitely yeah i just want to remind everyone that ghostly was asked to do another live episode mm-hmm. and we will be headlining and hosting the first day of the south side pod fest uh that'll be at lawler's on archer which is in the south side mm-hmm. of chicago on the outskirts, like pretty close to the border, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's still the South Side, though. It is. Oh, very much. It's a good neighborhood. I mean, it's fine. It's, it's not, safe. I know people think South I'll Side, Chicago. I'll take a Chicago. bullet for people if I need to. <laughs> and that'll be on November 6th, and it's free yeah, to what, come watch us. What time does it start again? It The whole event starts at 8 o'clock. Okay. Because we will be hosting those other podcasts. We will be kicking them off. We will be announcing. We'll be the MCs of the night. Yeah. That's the best term for that. There you go. Because we're not actually hosting other people's podcasts. No, no. But yeah. yeah. We'll be emceeing them. Yep. Uh, Also, I wanted to point out one other thing. Do you know what this episode marks? I think I do, but I'll let you say it. Yeah. So this is our Halloween episode, right? Yeah. So that's exciting. Mm -hmm. But that makes it our anniversary episode as well. Because we started last year on Halloween. Yeah. So tomorrow, technically, if yeah. you're listening to this, is our one-year ghostly anniversary. You might be listening to it on our anniversary. Yeah. Ghostly turns one. Isn't so that amazing? amazing? I mean, I can't believe how far we've come over the year. Yes. In one year. One year. We've grown so so far beyond my wildest dreams of yeah, how I thought far just we me and go. you were going to listen to this. Yeah, and like maybe a couple of friends if we begged them enough. If we forced them into right? it, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Guilted them enough. So we want to thank you for listening to us and to let you know that we have a lot more in store for you for our second year of Ghostly. So keep listening, and we're going to keep delivering. Mm-hmm. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Uh, absolutely. I, so many exciting ideas. Right? Yeah. Starting off, with November being our clown month. <laughs> I can't wait. Because we have Nick Mataragas that is coming on our first episode, which will be at the live pod fest. Mm-hmm. If you want to see it live. Yeah, you can watch you, us record it. Do you know why we have Nick on? I, I do. Why? Because he played. Okay, so any of you that watch Ghost Adventures, which I have a feeling a lot of our listeners do. Yeah. Um, they recently did an episode at... Uh, Joliet Prison, prison yeah. um, on John Wayne Gacy. Oh. And uh, our friend Nick, actually, who's going to be on the episode, uh, played Gacy. 
Yeah. In the episode. As a clown and not as a clown. <laughs> yeah, he did both. Yeah. So he it was a part of the whole episode and it's really cool. So we're going to have him on. And yeah. you just want him there because he's your other skeptic. He's your he's skeptic He's the only bro. other skeptic. Yeah. Because yeah. we only have two skeptics. That's it. <laughs> We've never had another skeptic on the show. I am hoping the bar is going to help me with the skeptic you know, keep me, uh, help me uh, make some arguments. Oh, because you think people are going to be drunk? Well, I'm hoping that I have a crowd of believers out there. Okay, well, I'm inviting every skeptic I know. <laughs> Nick Mataragas. Ah, there you go, yes. So, um, yeah, that's what we got going on so far, already in our second year. So, Rebecca, uh, we started this new thing called Listener's Mail. Mm-hmm. Do we have any? We do. We do. Uh, we're going to continue on with Frank's okay. uh, stories from last week. One thing I would like to ask you, though. Yes. So people can send stories, right? Right. But can they also send feedback? Oh, sure. Or questions. Yeah, we might read all those on the air. Oh, so absolutely. So even if you don't have a ghost story. Yeah. Listener mail is just mail. It's not just listener mail. story. I mean, like, we've been reading stories, but we'll anything that's interesting that if you want to send us a comment on an episode or um if you want to again ask we had we started actually off with a question a listener question we did yeah with um angels yeah we did yeah so, so and and your story also if you, if you do send a story it doesn't have to be long no in fact we prefer it not to be <laughs> crazy long that's why i have to divide them up sometimes uh, and then also, it doesn't have to be even a story of something that turned out to be paranormal. Oh. It could be a story that you thought was paranormal and then turned out to have a totally logical explanation. Right? Yeah. Because I do want to represent both sides, both sides you of our represent podcast. My side? Yeah. So if you've got a fun wow. story that you re- thought it was something crazy and then it turned out you did find out what it was, like that's just, that's still fun to hear too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, you can send them right on into our email address, info at ghostlypodcast.com. You can also send them through Messenger or through a DM on social media. But there is one other way yes. that we've never talked about. I was thinking about this. You can send it through the actual mail. Yeah. I just went. You could send it to P.O. Box number 264, and that's in Geneva, Illinois, 60134. Yeah. I actually was just, I just went to check. The mailbox the other day because I realized I hadn't gone for a little bit and I was like, wow, you know, it'd be so nice to get real mail. Just one at least. At least one. You know, if you want to send us, if you go to Waverly Hills, send us a postcard. Yeah. Oh, man. Tell us about your experience, right? Or any other place that you go to that you think is cool. Because I will say one of my goals as we go forward now that we've kind of made it through our first year is hopefully to get some more listener suggested stories out there topics yeah. right and so yeah and so if you want to send us any of those ideas if you want to mail it to us send us to it uh, all these other ways that'd be so exciting yeah. again that's p.o box number 264 and that's in geneva illinois 60134 and if you don't remember this or can't understand what i'm saying because i don't understand what i'm saying half the time you can go to ghostlypodcast.com, scroll to the very bottom, and right in the middle under contact us, we have all of our information right there. Right Ghostlypodcast.com, the bottom of the page. Yep. All right. So let's hear this story that you have. Okay. All right. So again, this is from Frank, and 
This is, again, he says he hasn't really had anything, but his brother has. So this is another brother story. All right. So it says, uh, my brother's partner usually gets up early for work and returns mid-afternoon. My brother had the day off, so he decided to take a nap. He was laying on his side facing the wall. He had fallen into a light sleep when he felt the bed sink and it caused him to wake up. He figured it was his partner. He took a few moments to adjust his eyes before he rolled over. He saw a shadow person with glowing yellow eyes on its side facing him. So, so like yeah. he's facing out. So in like a reverse spoon. Right. Like you're position, right, facing like each other. He's facing each other. And it's okay. like this shadow person with yellow eyes. Wow. Yes. He scared the living daylights out of him and he jumped out of bed. So not sleep paralysis. I mean, he's moving. He's turning yeah. over. He's jumping out of bed. The shadow faded and left an imprint on the bed where it had been. Wow. Yeah, that's the story. And I'm not allowed to debate any of these stories, so well, no. I will keep to myself. That's up to, Frank did give you permission to do that if you wanted to debate anything, but... Uh, I'm thinking it's a kitty cat. <laughs> it's a kitty cat. It's a kitty cat. I think if they had a kitty cat or if it was a kitty cat, he would have still seen the kitty cat and would have known it. So it's a kitty cat. <laughs> All right. Um, so the next part would typically be our polls, but we haven't had a poll yet for this. But we will have one for this episode. You got it. This is the big one. This so is the what main is the question poll. we're going to be asking now? Are exorcisms real? Are exorcisms real? Just that. Just that. Yes, no. If you even think one one exorcism is real, then you believe exorcisms are real. Absolutely. You I'm, would mark yes. Yeah. I mean, just because you're saying yes doesn't mean that you think every single exorcism is real. Yeah. You're just saying that there are some that are. Okay. Yep. Those are the ground rules. Those are the ground rules. And if you don't believe any are real, then you're on hashtag team skeptic. Right. Which I might not be able to vote for this <gasps> time. Whoa. We'll see. We'll see at the end. All right, so we're going to skip to our ghost story segment, mm-hmm. which is also Rebecca. Yes. <laughs> so tell us a ghost story. Okay. So this one, again, is not going to be our typical ghost story where I may I wrote something. Where you make it up. Yeah, <laughs> well, I may, yeah I, I take artistic liberties with a story. Oh. I actually wanted to tell another because there's so many, I wanted to tell another exorcism story. So I normally, I, I don't want you to interrupt me, but you can interrupt again if you'd like, if yeah, you have I've any been, comments. I've been specifically told that I cannot interrupt during ghost story segment. Well, because they there's like a feel, you know, we're trying to get like a feel. Yeah. Yeah. But this is not that, so it's okay. I could be scary too, you know. Well, you could read the story sometime. Ooh, we'll see. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is this is actually, this particular story, I found it on a bunch of websites, but the one I'm reading from is mysteriousuniverse.org. Of course. And it's about a woman named Julia. Mm. So a more recent case of demonic possession occurred in 2008 and was reported in 2012 by a board-certified psychiatrist and associate professor of clinical psychiatry at New York Medical College, Dr. Richard E. Gallagher. Oh, he's that one that all the priests go to. He is the one that the priests go to. So he is definitely a hashtag team believer. He is. He we didn't start that way, but he is yeah. now. The strange story revolves around a woman known only as Julia. That's the name he gave to her. 
who originally came uh, forth begging her church to help her when she with what she claimed was a spiritual possession, and the church went to ask for help from the psychiatric community. So the church went to the mm-hmm. psych- psychiatric community. While investigating Julia, Gallagher became convinced that there was more going on than mere mental illness or outright fraud. So she did all the things, right? Like obscene language, hateful rants and threats, and showed extreme repulsion to religious items. All of those things seem to have disturbed the psychiatrist a great deal. So he was disturbed by all those things. Gallagher would later say of these occurrences. So here's a quote from the psychiatrist. Periodically in our presence, Julia would go into a trance state of a reoccurring nature. Mentally troubled individuals often dissociate, but Julia's trances were accompanied by an unusual phenomenon. Out of her mouth would come various threats, taunts, and scatological language. Scatological? So she'd be like, For our younger listeners, that yes, scat? that's exactly what that means. <laughs> that's scat, right? <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> scatological. Uh-huh. Phrases like, leave her alone, you idiot. She's ours. Leave, you imbecile priest. That doesn't sound like scat to me. No. Or just leave. The tone Mm. of this voice differed markedly from Julia's own, and it varied, sometimes sounding guttural and vaguely masculine, at other points high-pitched. Most of her comments during these trances or at the subsequent exorcisms displayed a marked contempt for anything religious or sacred. In addition to this, these strange voices allegedly would even intrude on phone conversations the psychiatrist was having with colleagues, defying all rational reason. In other words, like she wasn't on the phone with them. It was just like a totally separate phone conversation, but they would hear the voices that Mm. she would say. During the actual exorcism performed on Julia, the room purportedly became almost unbearably hot, and the normal scientific and rational Gallagher was also startled to personally witness items fly off shelves and Julia actually levitating. Julia also demonstrated personal knowledge of people in her vicinity and spoken languages other than her own, such as Spanish and Latin. Holy water was said to affect her in violent ways, but normal water did not, even when there was no way for her to know which was which. After every one of these episodes, Julia would wake from her trance with no recollection of what had transpired, which fascinated the psychiatrist. She was eventually cleared of her seemingly demonic presence, but her account is a rare case of a professional scientist being convinced the events were real. Okay. Now, I I also read a whole other even longer article where they interviewed Dr. Gallagher, and he said that actually she wasn't totally cleared. She called him back a few years later and claims they were it was back but she didn't want help at that point because she was already dying of cancer or something oh okay it was interesting wow yeah so hey they're back but hey don't worry about it pretty much okay (laughs) um you know what i think we should probably take a break yeah that was kind of long yeah okay but it was good we'll be right back all right The brand new Southside Podfest. Southside. Four totally free nights of live podcasts on Chicago's Southside. Front room. Get your ear holes filled with amazing word sounds from some of the best podcasts around. Sausage. The Southside Podfest is November 6th, 20th, 27th, and December 4th. All at 8 p.m. All at Lawler's Bar, 6854 West Archer Avenue, Chicago. What the hell is a podcast? See you there. 
we're back. So the history is what we've already covered. We've covered a lot of history of it with the interview with David or Vox, Mm -hmm. uh, with the uh, exorcism of of Emily Rose or Annalise McHale, Mm -hmm. and then finally the exorcist. Or the exorcism of Roland Doe. Or whatever his name is, Robbie Mannheim. Sounds like a quarterback for a, for a team or something. Um, so that that was our history, basically. So we are going to jump right into the debate now. Yeah, let's get going. It feels weird, but I might have a little surprise for the debate. Okay. All right. So I've got three points I thought we could kind of talk about okay. that, that maybe encapsulate a lot of these things, including even the story that I just read. And uh, then surprise, today. I have one. You have another one. Yay. Okay. <laughs> So the first idea to discuss, so there are so many stories that involve a lot of people. Yes. I think that's what makes the exorcism stories different than the ghost stories often are. Because a ghost story, it's often one person, they saw something, they experienced something, Mm -hmm. but nobody else was there. So David or Vox talked about this. Um, where he said the things that he's experienced a lot of times have been with other people. And we saw it with both of the other stories that we talked about, right? So Annalise McKell, there were uh, always her parents, uh, family friends, the priests, they all saw these things. And then same thing with Roland Doe, right? There were multiple priests mm-hmm. doing the exorcism, the family, all of that. Um, you know, again, different than a typical ghost story. So I know to me, the fact that it is the these exorcisms are often seen, witnessed, experienced by multiple people um, over a, even a longer period of time um, makes them more believable to me. Okay. So what um, do you think? Well, um, my initial thought would be that yeah, it is seen by multiple people. And if there was like a ghost encounter that was seen by multiple people, I would definitely probably believe that more than I would believe one that's just seen by one or two. Although it has happened to us where people have told us they there was multiple people that cited this ghost and I still don't believe it somehow. Um, with the exorcism, I'm always more prone to believe for some reason. So I'm going to... I'm going to take this as another approach. If exorcisms are real and if multiple people see them, what could be an explanation for that? And the explanation that I can come up with for that would be that these are all people of faith. You know, let's say we were at a concert. I know you really have a thing for new kids on the block. So let's say we were on a new kids on the block uh, concert. Yeah, uh, I was never an NKOTB fan. What? Um, that is my age group, but no. <laughs> but let's say we were, and let's say <laughs> everybody there was a Donnie fan. I, I mean, he was my favorite of them if I had to pick one, yeah. like gun to my head, but like, yeah. But if everybody was a Donnie fan, it's easier for people to buy into what Donnie's doing than the than the rest of them. So all these people are believers, all of these people believe that there is a Jesus and more and more importantly all these people believe that there's a possibility of demonic possession involved in this 
So then they would equate anything that happens to this possession. That's my thoughts. Okay. Well, and I will say on a on a skeptic note with this that my thought sometimes goes to there's that group mentality that we sometimes have where if there's one person let's say the mother for example with Annalise right really believes that this is true right then there's the strength of their conviction can kind of lead the thoughts of the people around them Mm -hmm. maybe to to be that you know to to feel that way and and so that there is that part of it sure but I guess I've I also have read stories and like Vox's story, you know, it's just, it doesn't necessarily seem, you know, like when he was in the church, right? And the stuff started happening, everyone heard that all at once. And he and his friend kind of came up with this thing of this prayer. And it wasn't like there was time for that to build or, mm-hmm. you know, for that to happen. I guess though your thought of they're all believers, that kind of... Well, that anything that that happens. So, I don't know. It could have been, I'm not going to argue Vox's uh, point, but it could have been like a PA was malfunctioning or something like that. But they all are believers together, and they all attribute that to then this idea of that. So, I mean, like another thing um, about what you were speaking of just a second ago, it's funny because I've done some comedy, and I don't always get all the laughs. Mm-hmm. Just saying, but you get a lot of laughs though. But I am I get more when people are clumped together in one area. But you know, it's natural for people to go into a theater and let's say there's only twenty people in a theater that fits a hundred. Well, you're going to scatter out. You're going to give each other space, right? Mm-hmm. I get less laughs then than when everybody is sitting in the front row and everybody's together. It actually makes for a better show. Because the laughter's contagious? Yeah. Ah. It definitely is. So yeah, I I think that having them together, yeah, it is like a contagious kind of laugh. It is like a community laugh. Maybe that could be tied in with the belief thing. All these people in a in a close proximity yeah, maybe. are more able to believe. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting thought. Yeah. Again, I'm in the middle. It's hard. It's hard. Okay. All right, you ready for a second idea? Of course I okay. am. Okay. So... During all of these exorcisms, paranormal things happen. Mm -hmm. You know, it isn't just somebody saying like, there's someone inside me. Like, It's not Mm -hmm. just that. You know, there's levitation. They speak in languages that they don't know. Um, The voices that come out of them are completely odd. Don't sound like that person out of range, whether too low or too high, or there's multiple voices. They'll have that aversion to holy things. We've seen that. Um, So all of these kind of paranormal, the bed shakes, you know. Um, And it's interesting because a lot of times they're very similar things that happen uh, over the years. So I don't know. What do you think about all the the paranormal stuff that goes along with the exorcisms? Well, I think that you said a lot of things in that. Mm -hmm. And I think that each thing would have its own reasoning. So the bed shaking, uh, you know, thinking back to the what the skeptic said about Roland Doe, those all could have been done by a teenage boy. Bed shaking could have been done from the top of the bed. Now, we're looking at this 
through the lenses of of science fiction and horror. And we're we're watching these movies where the bed actually levitates off the ground five feet, you know. It I'm sure it's not like that. I'm sure it's closer to the ground. I'm sure it's left up to some to some um somebody's beliefs. I'm sure it's left up to their their perception of what is actually happening. Uh the the levitating um items and stuff like that. In like the journals of um of the priests that were involved in the Roland one, they never said anything about it. They said that about it later on. I think it's hype. I really, I know it seems <laughs> weird, but I think that's more hype than anything. Yeah. And the languages, that was perfectly explained in one thing, especially that a lot of times they speak Latin. And a lot of these are the 70s and before the 70s. And in which case, Latin was used in church and Latin was used in the actual exorcisms itself. So, I mean, they could be mimicking them. They say that they don't always make sense. The words don't always go together. Mm. I know, I guess I've read enough stories where, I mean, not just the ones that we've talked about, but even within the ones we've talked about where it just seems like that's a lot for it to to have all these incidents, you know, where people are, are speaking different languages or, I mean, like, yeah, items, objects moving on their own. That seems like a, from like across the room. But as I said, those aren't things that are actually put in these people's journals. These are things that are said after the fact. These are things that are that are made to explain things. And like the superhuman strength that they have, that boy, Roland Doe, didn't have that. He had a normal 14-year-old's uh, strength. Uh, another thing, too, The Exorcist, the movie, they actually do something that's kind of funny. I don't know if you, you caught this in there. I did as a skeptic. I'm like, oh, oh. they took fake holy water in there. And he... he um, he used it once on her and she acted the same as she would if it was regular holy water. Yeah. And that's what he said to the mother too. He said, well, this is not real holy water. Mm-hmm. That kind of made me think this is, this is theatrics. These are people acting out. These are people that um, I, I believe these are people that want to be special and want to, want to, or they believe that they're special, you know. They believe that they're different than everybody else. And in the case of Annalise, I think she was willing to die for that. I mean, I think for me, the idea of the holy stuff, I, you know, in the movie, yes, we had that time where, you know, they they faked it out. But then, I mean, it really turned out to be pretty real in the movie, anyways. Um, but, but who's to say if he used regular water and said it was holy water throughout the whole service that that wouldn't have had the same effect? Here's another thing, too. Why is it that um, in the Annalise thing, it took 67 times? Why is it that in the Roland Doe one, it took multiple times? If these words work, why don't they work the first time? That's a part that is interesting to me, Be- you know... I've I've thought about that because when we talked to David Vox, he was very much no. It only takes one time. Yeah, you know, you say it and it's done. You know, once you command or whatever you do, it's over. But every single other exorcism story that I have read that has happened in the last hundred years, 
even beyond that. Uh, it, it's it's not one. But why is that? Or I it's mean, until they get to the one that does work. If God is the person that um, commands these these demons even, and he's telling them to leave, and you're saying within his words to leave, you're saying in the name of De- Jesus Christ, spirit be gone, why wouldn't that work the first time? Are they just exhausting the demon or are they exhausting the actor? Well, one, I don't necessarily know that's an actor, but uh, but I think it's because it's not Jesus himself that is saying the words. It is a representative of Jesus. Then and, why does it ever work? Well, it depends. You have to get the notice of, you have to have the right convictions yourself. And I think the person who's dealing with the possession has to to be able to fight it, you know? And I think that, here's, I guess, my thing. If the, if the demons and the devils, or whatever you want to call them, were so easy to get rid of that we could just be like, ugh, leave. Well, then we wouldn't need to have this conversation. We would never have these problems because it would be so easy to get rid of them. What kind of, I mean, I guess I think of it in terms of story, I guess, maybe this, maybe I'm proving myself wrong in this, but um, that idea of like, you don't want an enemy, if the enemy can just be killed immediately, then they're not much of an enemy. So, you know, if they really are strong, if they really are a force that takes something to fight, they wouldn't just necessarily go away right away. Either that or the person there has conviction to to these beliefs, but you exhaust those convictions and they're, they're just tired. By the 67th time, <laughs> they're just tired and they're just like, you know what? I give up. He's gone. I don't know. It's interesting. I've, I... It, it sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So it's, it makes it's, no sense to me that it, that it doesn't work every single time or work no times. And it's not like they're changing the words that they're saying. They're saying the same exact words every single exorcism. Well, not like so in the case of Roland Doe, I believe the final exorcism is when they called on the Michael. Nope. They do it every single time. Okay. There's the name of all the saints Every single time. Ah. And in one other time, Michael had gotten rid of the demon. Mm-hmm. And then they left. And then he's like, oh, no, he's back. So the priest had to come back in yeah. to keep going. And then finally, the last one, he was like, no, 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 they're really gone this time. Trust me. <laughs> you know, I really think it's just wearing down the person that's on the bed. I don't know if it's the person inside that person or if it's just that person. Like, to me, you can't wear down a demon the same way you could wear down a person. I think you could. I think demons are, the demons are not a, the devil. You know what I mean? Like, that's angels are not God. They are imperfect beings. And they have, they all have flaws. Obviously, for a demon, <laughs> those flaws <laughs> might be maybe even bits of, of I don't know about goodness, but levity or playfulness, uh, you know, where they might pretend like they're leaving and then not leave or whatever. But I, I don't think that, I mean, the, the idea of these beings, I don't know that they're necessarily going to be as sh- strong as the main people, I guess, would be the thought. Oh, I would believe that the demons were stronger than the main person. No, no, I mean, oh, you like, mean the devil, or right? Something. The devil or God? Yeah. I'm just saying that it seems really odd to me that it takes so long 
to do it and that that would wear down the person. So if the person is going into it saying, yeah, I'm possessed, eventually by the 67th time, they're going to be like, all right, no, it's gone because they're just done. Mm. They're just done with their feeling special moment. I I don't know. I guess I... To me, that seems. I, I'm sure that that is true. I, I believe that that does happen, but I don't believe that that's with every case. I do believe there are times where the people would give anything for it to end, and well, they don't even don't always know. know what happens. I don't know. And then in those other cases, I believe that it could be mental mental illness. Well, so this leads me to our, the last point. Yes, you ready to move on to that one, which is that. Every story that we've listened to is that it's beyond the treatment of modern medicine. Uh, every story we've explored has talked about, um, and actually all the ones that I've read or talked about, um, the people have sought out medical and psychiatric treatment first. Um, it's interesting, though. There are plenty of stories of horrible things that have happened to children especially, um, and people because of exorcisms where children have been killed or really hurt by their parents or priests or other, you know, people. But every one of those stories that I've heard, it's that they didn't go to uh, medicine first. They just went right to the crazy I believe this is possession, whatever. But a lot of the ones that are all the ones that we've read anyways, they did go and get modern medical treatment first and that didn't help. It didn't work. And then they last resort resorted to this. So I don't know. That's sort of persuasive to me. Well, again, you have multiple layers in here that I would have to pick apart. So I can't just say, all right, this is my one response to everything that you're saying because there's multiple layers and each one of those has its own thing that I would I would say let's keep in mind. First of all, um, in any disease or illness, there are times when treatment is going to be effective and there's times when it's not going to be effective. It could be the seizures and they're giving them Dilantin for the seizures and it works 99% of the time, but there's going to be a 1%. It doesn't mean that this is supernatural it means that they would need to change their approach. And sometimes, on uh, even though we've come so far medically, we're not able to treat something that usually can be treated. And it's got nothing to do with demons. This happens with everything. Sometimes you can't treat the flu, and people die of the flu. Sometimes, you know, sometimes someone gets an eye infection that spreads and becomes something a lot more. People die at the dentist office every single day because they're getting their teeth cleaned, a routine procedure that everyone's done. People die of that sometimes. And it's not because a demon entered their body. It's because science only is 99% there. It's not 100%. And also, too, we're talking about in the 70s and before the 70s when when the medical treatment that they offered was not the same as what they would offer now. I would argue, too, that there are less exorcisms now because there's more medical treatment and things are treated a lot earlier and detected a lot earlier, especially the temporal lobe um, 
you know, um, whatever it was, injury or convulsion or whatever. I, I forget exactly the term. And what's interesting about that is I was actually doing some research about it. To injure that particular part of the brain actually can make you have these delusions of religion being closer to you than it than it really is. Like you are a part of it. You are an acting member of it. Like you're one of the apostles or you're Jesus or you're this or you're that. Religion is really funny with that kind of thing. And then also too, they are required by the Catholic Church to to weed out everything first that it could possibly be. So they are required to go for medical treatment first. So that's why they have. Um, and I don't know of any case that the church has approved before they were able to see a doctor. Yeah, I think, well, and I'm, I'm guessing that Annalise really, her court case probably made that a big deal um, yeah. and some other ones too. But um, I guess I would say, one thing would be, I don't know with any of the stories that we heard of them having a head injury before this happened, because I think that would be a logical Actually, thing. both Roland Doe and um, Annalise, they did suspect that they had this temp- temporal lobe um, epilepsy. I guess that's right. They had epilepsy. So Yeah. Yeah. That'd they, be part of it. They both were suspected to have that. And that in particular has been known to spark these religious things that mm-hmm. are beyond the normal. Now, I guess I will have to try to channel Vox right now. Um, I think his response would be that those those things, maybe they open them up to more of what's out there as opposed to that it's uh, causing fake things to happen maybe but we are so what what you originally were talking about though is that these people tried to have treatment and the treatment was unsuccessful yes what i'm speaking for is that yes there are times that me and you might have the same exact illness disease whatever and i might respond differently to one treatment and you might respond differently to another or one of us might not respond to any treatment. And it, it could make something so minute become so severe. There's fatalities in everything. People take aspirin sometimes and they die. There, there is, I mean, if you look at the numbers of these kind of things, it's alarming how much we don't know. Yeah. Well, I will say, you also mentioned that there are fewer exorcisms and I, and I think probably overall compared to way in the past, you know, there are, but exorcisms are on the rise lately, like in the last five to 10 years than they had, been. they had gone down and then now they've gone back up again. Okay. So you're saying that they are starting to make a comeback, but they're nowhere near where they were in the seventies and before that. They're not higher than that. I don't, yeah, and that's where I don't know. I just know uh, the only thing I was reading is just that they've gone, uh, they've they've gone up a lot. Well, again. just like in the Twenty Seven Club, where you questioned the data that was real, <laughs> that was real proof. I'm going to question your data. Okay. I'm going to say I want to see this. I want to analyze it. I want to know in what they're looking for. They might be looking for, in particular, 
um, groups that believe in, in these particular religions. That's another thing that I find very odd. There's never a non-believer. There's never a skeptic that becomes possessed. Oh, uh, yeah, there are. There's I have people not read are, any. In fact, so a lot... So what the, there was one article I, I know I sent you that was... I guess I would say it's not even necessarily that exorcisms just themselves are up, but people asking for exorcisms is up. And so it is something that the church has to investigate all of these cases, and most of them are not, you know, real. Well, I would like to check those numbers. Exorcisms. But was interesting, though, I mean, just to to think about how people today are less likely to be a part of organized religion than Mm -hmm. they have in the past. And that a lot of these people that come to the church, it's they, they weren't a member of the church. They weren't necessarily religious, but they, and they, but they feel like they've tried everything and this is the only place that's going to listen to them. This is one article that you are, you are quoting. So why don't you say the source? Oh, it was actually in the Atlantic. Okay. Yeah. And there's so, a couple other ones out there too, but yes. But I'm saying that the one that you're quoting in mm-hmm. particular in this whole thing is this one article, and I'm just saying that's one person's point of view of how things are. You don't see any of these stories, though, where the person didn't start off having a belief in Christ. I mean, without your article. there's n- I've looked for them, and I do not find any substantial story that has any relevance and any backing to it where it is someone that does not first believe in Christ and then has this exorcism where they are forced to believe. Even though the Roland Doe was Lutheran and became Catholic, that really is not that far of a push. Already a Christian just you know, went from a more laxed belief system than to a more stringent, more rule-based, you know. I, so these are, my, these are my issues with it. There's a lot. There's a lot to think about. All right. Well, we should take another break, and when I come back, I'm going to tell you my stuff. I have something. Okay. Hey, Pat, fall is in the air. Ooh, yeah, it is. Yeah, and that means cooler weather, football, Football. and of course, shopping. Shopping? Yeah, back to school shopping, starting college shopping. I got a new job shopping, new season shopping. I just like shopping, shopping. Okay, okay, I get it. Change means time to get some new stuff. And I bet our listeners would like some ghostly gear. Oh, yeah. Great idea. What kind of gear are we talking about? I don't know. How about some ghostly t-shirts and sweatshirts? Yeah. And not just ones with the ghostly logo, because those those are really cool. But uh, how about also hashtag Team Believer to really show our team colors? Um, and hashtag Team Skeptic, of course. Mm. So we've got men's and women's styles and even kid and baby sizes. So cute. It is very cute. And I also added a phone case and a water bottle. Nice. (laughs) Where can our listeners get all this great ghostly gear? Mm, That's pretty easy. If you want to get ghostly gear, just go to ghostlypodcast.com and click on merchandise up at the top. Perfect. Go to ghostlypodcast.com and click on merchandise to get your great ghostly gear.
All right, we are back. So, over the course of these episodes, I've had to take a look at my beliefs. And I've been on the fence this entire month. The idea of exorcisms, they're just so alluring to me. I don't know how I started to really be intrigued by them, but it has been something that I've always been interested in. And I've done a lot of research into them even before Ghostly. And although the very concept is something I'm interested in, I just had to take this like step back and look at it in a different way. So what I started to do is I started to say, I'm going to just assume that exorcisms are real. So, okay, exorcisms are real. What else do I have to believe then? So the exorcisms real isn't that hard for me to believe. Even though my idea of the simplest answer is usually the correct one, it doesn't really fit into that belief. But it's a doable thing to just say exorcisms are real. But if exorcisms are real, then we have to say that demons are real. And if we believe that demons are real, then we have to believe that angels are real. Those two have to go hand in hand. So you can see where I'm going on this part so far, right? Mm -hmm. This all is okay with what you're saying? I'm just saying. I'm with you so far. Okay. I mean, I'm not saying I agree. I'm just saying I follow what you're saying. Okay. So I have a very hard time with the idea of demons and angels being real. Because to me, angels and demons, they symbolize the constant fight between good versus evil. And even as far as angels wearing all white to represent that they are good. So going back to the woman in white kind of thing, I think. Uh, (laughs) Always has to come back. So I try to say, okay, what about if they're not demons and angels? What about if they're just possessed by spirits? But that, that was even harder for me because how would an exorcism work then? And if somebody was just possessed by a spirit, the symbolism of the exorcism would have no effect on them at all. Also, this spirit would have to be pretty pissed off to do something like that and at the lengths that they go through. So I kind of ruled this idea out that it's not just a spirit. It has to be these demons and these angels. And those demons and angels represent good versus evil. So here's my trouble with the good versus evil concept then. It doesn't work. I mean, it works great in storytelling. You know, when you have a villain, you have a bad guy that's equally as bad as that hero is good. But it simply just doesn't work. I mean, I do believe that there that an act or an action can be wrong. I do believe that. So I'm not like saying that all these people that have done evil things are necessarily right. I'm just saying that I, I don't believe that it can be pure evil. They could be hideously wrong even. But when I refer to this kind of evil, it's more of a secular or a sinister type of evil that I don't believe in. Like in the sense that someone's actions have an evil intent overall, or that a person is literally evil, like pure evil. I think 
that if we label someone as evil, though, we're almost excusing their actions or putting their actions into something that we can explain and that they might have been tricked or persuaded into it. So we're almost letting them off the hook by saying that, oh, well, they're evil. Saying someone is evil is like giving them a force of almost magical, eternal power, and it operates beyond the reach of trustful negotiation or rational compromise, like Voldemort or something like that. This only really works out in fiction stories, and I believe people do evil things because they either don't believe what they are doing is evil, like they believe they're doing the right thing and they're just misinformed, or that they think that with that it'll it'll help the greater good by doing their one evil act like for instance you know if you killed one person it would save all the people that will ever get cancer ever again is it worth it well that's an evil act that you're doing killing the one person but you're saving all the people that could potentially have cancer so it's like those kind of things so when i say that i don't that they don't believe what they're doing is evil It could be because they are misinformed, like let's say a racist would be, or like ignorant. Um, Or they could have some kind of mental illness that keeps them from knowing the difference between wrong versus right. That's what I'm talking about. So I don't believe in the absolute evil or the pure evil. Therefore, I don't believe in absolute or pure good. I believe that everything is in the middle. What are your thoughts, Rebecca? (laughs) That was a lot. I'm sorry. I don't usually have a point in the debate where I can speak my skepticism, and that is it. <laughs> so I think there's a couple parts in there, yes, right? Yes, there's so, more than a couple. Yeah. More than a couple. Um, mm-hmm. Starting just with that idea of pure evil versus, you know, pure good existing or not existing in humans, because that's a lot of what we're talking about at the end, you yeah. know, the last part. Um I think in in most respects, I believe that I, I believe I agree with what you're saying that sometimes saying somebody is evil lets them off the hook, you know, um, like to say that a serial killer, for example, is evil. It almost makes it sound like, well, they were just born bad yeah. and had no, therefore almost no a choice so, to yeah. do what they did. And then we don't search for the reasons that they did right. what they did. But I will I will disagree a little bit, though I think you kind of came back with this with the mental illness piece. But like I do think there are people that do things and they know they're wrong. Yes. Like, they know they're doing something evil and wrong. They're not doing mm-hmm. it because they think that it will help the earth or people or, you know, whatever. They're doing it because it brings them pleasure and they don't care what other people think. But I think that's often due to mental illness or the way they were raised you know what i mean like things that are out out of their i would say out of their control but they know what they're doing is wrong but if you think of someone you know, they they need to get help for it yeah basically. if you think of somebody that is pure evil that means that nothing that they did could could amount to any good right and that and means I, like like i always think well, their mother probably still loves them they probably still love their mother right well or there's people that they care about that they probably still yeah. do decently by yeah. you know even if they they do horrible things uh, also uh and i will also say you know there's one um one guy that i listen to marcus parks that he has a great saying which is 
you don't, it's not your fault that you have mental illness, but it is your fault if you don't get it treated. Absolutely. You know, so. But then on the other end, the pure good, like I think of the Friends episode where Joey was manning the phone lines for PBS for their sponsorship and Phoebe was like telling him that there's no good deeds, that everybody does something for themselves in some way. Like I might give you a dollar because that makes me feel good. I was going to say, there's no purely altruistic act because in the end you are, I mean, I think you can, maybe the majority of the reason you're doing it is to help somebody else, but you're still doing it because that also makes you feel good. (laughs) I mean, that's just true. But if there's no pure good, can there be pure evil too? So that's another reason why. Yeah. So I guess I'll come to say, I think I agree with your point when it comes to people. Okay. But I think that is different than beings that are beyond humans. I think that the idea of demons and angels are things that the reason they exist is because humanity has a choice in how it is. And they kind of represent those forces that are kind of fighting for our souls when it comes to religion. So the demons would be ruled by the devil. I think typically that's how that's But the devil or Lucifer was known as an angel at one time that fell fell. from grace. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't pure evil because he was an angel at one time. Right, and I think this Symbolized good. Right, and I think this is why when you talk about why don't they just leave right away, why doesn't it just take one prayer? Well, because it's complicated. You know what I mean? Like there's these, you know, Vox talked a lot about these tricksters and they're roaming the earth and they're they're just having fun. And it's not about the final game hasn't started yet. And it's just at this point, they're just, it's all kind of sometimes the good comes out, sometimes the bad comes out, but it's not like a final thing yet. I don't know. I don't I mean- know. I'm just saying that if the devil isn't even pure evil, then can there be pure evil? And without pure evil, can there be something like this kind of possession? Can it be someone that's 90% evil that possesses somebody until they die? This is a this is a this is an evil act that is I'm sorry, I know you're trying to say something, but no, I just no, want to finish. This is an evil act that they have intent to spread the word of the demons or the devil. And in this case, that is a pure evil thing. And can something that's not pure evil exist in that world where pure evil, there's no greater good, there's no greater anything. But a one particular act can be evil, you said. So like a demon could do something that is evil. Doesn't mean that they're fully evil. That's not one act. That is a continuous act if it takes 67 times to exercise. (laughs) Well, remember though, with Annalise, according One, two, to three, four, five, six, exactly ah, scary every time. Um, the <laughs> idea that um, that actually remember that one that most of the demons were forced to leave, but that actually Mary Mother actually made some of the demons stay in her to kill her so that she would be a martyr for the greater good. For the greater good. So there's the like. We, we think of, can there be pure good? Well, you know, a lot of times God or the light will will do things that to us 
are bad. It's that whole trolley thing. Like yeah. they'll choose to kill the one person over letting the five people die or whatever. You know what I mean? But it's nobody, that, nobody it's ever that saw, pure good. Nobody ever saw this Mother Mary or nobody ever seen seen these demons leaving these people. These are just like like Roland. He's gone. They didn't see it leave. They heard a boom, but they didn't see it leave. And nobody saw um, Mother Mary when she when she was talking to Annalise. I mean, I'm just like, these things can be made up. They can. And if they can, the more likelihood is that they are. Mm. Does this just seem like we should maybe do our final? Yes. So this like is the closing argument yeah. part. This is our last chance to convince you to vote our way. We are given one minute each of uninterrupted time. We will time each other on our cell phones to keep each other honest. Let me pull up mine, and then, Rebecca, you can start it off. Okay. It's going to take me a second. It's asking for my passcode and not just my <laughs> face ID, so it doesn't is taking a second. You. No, it doesn't because a demon's possessing me probably. <laughs> All right, Rebecca, are you ready? Yes. All right, then go. This has been a difficult topic for me. I've gone back and forth, um, but I go back to what Pat actually said earlier this episode. If you believe that even one of these is real, then you believe that exorcisms can be real. And as much as I fight against it, uh, and I I read these stories that just make me think, no, no, um, there's just this part of my heart that believes. There's just this part of my heart that that does believe that there is this other other people out there, other entities or whatever it is that that can cause problems or can can go into people. Um, I've just heard and read too many stories that just sound too believable to me. And I guess really honestly, again, it just goes into my heart that I I believe. I believe that there are these good and evil beings coming and sometimes they possess us to do good and oh, sometimes bad. That's it. I didn't even hear it. I didn't hear it either. I think uh, I have it silenced. Okay. But it is well, I was I was good. I got it. I showed you it when it was at four seconds. You did. So you know I'm, there's no there's no trickery. No. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? I am ready. And go. So is there a probability that exorcisms are real? Yes. There is a probability. It's probable. It can be, right? But there's not any actual factual evidence that supports this. All of these things are, could they have been? Maybe. Maybe it's possible. But none of these things actually have any physical evidence that supports them. We're not going on probability. Do you believe that one of these are real. That's what we're going on. And none of these have enough evidence to stand up. Stand up in court, stand up in anywhere. Annalise's case, they didn't rule that there was an exorcism. They ruled that there was negligence. Oh, dang, time's up. All right. Wow. I hope that my argument about good versus evil actually <laughs> did more than my closing arguments there. 
So thank you so much for listening to our anniversary episode. Oh, we hope I was been it's been so much fun. We hope you enjoyed this I, month. I guys. enjoyed it's it. It's been and, crazy. Oh, but you know what? We forgot one important part. What's that? What is your rating? Oh zero yeah. through ten. Are exorcisms real? Zero through ten. Okay. I'm gonna say an eight. You're gonna say an eight. I thought it was a six up until my last bit of research. Then it just sped ahead to eight. How about for okay. you? I'm going to say a four. Ooh, that's pretty high for you. It is pretty high. It's the highest I've ever been. Yeah. And it was a five until we did The Exorcist. <laughs> that one is really what pushed me into the other direction. Okay. It made me start thinking of other things. So gotcha. yeah, thank you for listening to our anniversary episode. Please share us with your friends and family as word of mouth is our best advertisement. I would also like to point out that we are doing another podcast. Yeah, we've mentioned this before, but in case you you didn't hear, we're doing a Walking Dead podcast, uh, the Walking Dead podcast, actually. And it's a a fan cast. Uh, We do one every week for each of the new episodes. We just took over this podcast uh, this season. So it's it's fun. And let them hear your alpha voice. Mother to mother. You must be punished. No, See, yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah. That's that's what that's what we bring <laughs> to the table. You've been crossing our borders. <laughs> the ghostly borders. Yes. Uh, if you're looking for another podcast to listen to, and you do watch The Walking Dead, we have that other podcast. Just search for Walking Dead DVMPE. That's D is in David, V is in Vox, M is in Mullen, P as in Production, E is in Empire. Walking Dead, DVMPE, and start listening now. Yep. We took over this season, so we're responsible for everything season 10 and on. You got it. Um, so I think this is a pretty decent episode. How yeah, do you feel about I think it? It's, I think it's been a, a, de- a pretty good anniversary month. Right. We've had five weeks in a row of episodes. Oh, my God. I can't wait to take a break. I am so tired. But we are going to be <laughs> recording at the Podfest. So next week. It's the sixth week in a row of yep. Ghostly for us. <laughs> but our next episode will be on John Wayne Gacy, as we've already alluded to, because of Nick being John Wayne Gacy. Yes. And because there's some stories around it. And that comes out on November 13th. Remember, if you're in the Chicago area, you can watch us record it live at Lawler's Bar on November 6th. Yes. Starting at 8 o'clock that night, there's going to be three podcasts. We're headlining. We're hosting. It's going to be super fun. We're emceeing. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. We're not hosting the podcast. We're just like... I'm seeing the evening. Yeah, we're hosting the night yeah. by emceeing the podcast. Exactly. But yeah. then do hosting our own podcast yes. at the end. Uh, it's going to be so much fun. Do you have anything to add before we sign off here? I think that that's it. Other than, uh, you know, tell your friends and family, hit that subscribe button. Definitely hit that subscribe button. We need you to hit that subscribe button. Yes. Helps us out a lot. Yeah. We'd be nothing without you. Remember, stay ghostly. Bye.